Alright, welcome to a, another exciting episode of Until Dawn. My name is Koi, and back from her trip, my beautiful wife, Felicia. Hello, everyone. So, you just got back from your trip, and everybody knows already that you went to Ohio State Reformatory, so mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that. We went up and we spent two nights there. It was really cool. The building was massive. And one thing I didn't realize until I got there was that there's actually... It's on the grounds of two prisons that are still active. And one of them is, like, super close. And I thought that was kind of crazy. They actually have signs on some of the windows that you can't take pictures out of the windows because guards from the active prison can come over and confiscate your... Is that weird? Confiscate? Yeah, I think I say it weird from the country. Anyway. What did you say? Confiscate. I don't know. You say it weird, Confin- too, probably, because your country is weird. Confiscate. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, they can come over and they can take your cameras and stuff from you. I don't know if that's actually true, but why risk it, right? Yeah. Um, your mom rode up with me. We actually got there early, so we went and did the historic tour before the other girls got there, and that was really cool. Learned a lot of stuff that we didn't learn from just the quick run-through they give you before you investigate. That's good. Yeah. One thing was, there was this really cute old man with us. We were down in the basement, and the lady was talking, and he asked if uh, she knew anything about the plane crash that happened above the prison. It was, like, in the 1950s. And she was like, no. I I think she kind of didn't believe him. But then he was like, well, it was my plane that crashed. (laughs) So that was really funny. He said that two planes, they hit each other, and then I guess there was a riot. So they actually couldn't get in there to like clean up the wreckage or recover bodies because of the riots. So that's pretty crazy. It was kind of good timing to be there whenever he was there. I think I was most excited when we got there to be able to investigate the chair room because I had heard so many things about it. I know the first night we went in there and it kind of did have a very creepy feel to it. But the second night we went in, it just had a completely, I don't know, just felt completely different. There was no strange or weird feelings in there. I don't know. I'm a feelings kind of girl. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So besides the chair room, was there any uh, other places? Uh, We went up in the West Attic and it was really cool because at one time they housed a bunch of prisoners in it. They kind of put them on bunk beds. I guess there had been a big prison fire down, I can't remember where, Columbus maybe. And so they had to move a bunch of inmates up to Mansfield to Ohio State. And it was really cool because you could see where they had wrote their names and like the time they got to the prison on the walls. A lot of them had wrote, you know, it was like from the 1930s. So it was just really cool to see where people had wrote that stuff. Lots of naked ladies on the wall. <laughs> Y'all gotta love naked ladies. Like naked stick figures? Oh no, they no. were not stick figures. <laughs> they were well-endowed Well endowed. ladies. So, I should have got a picture for you. I really like that. But, so it was really cool to see those. You know me, I, I'm a big fan of prison art. All right, well, I know you're still reviewing the data, and we will put that in a a later show. 
But is there anything right now that sticks out in your mind? Any personal experiences? Um, one was down in solitary confinement. It was me, Linda, your mom, Shelly, and Jared. And I was sitting on the bed. We were talking, and all of a sudden something hit the bottom of the bed really hard. Scared the shit out of me. I, like, jumped up, screamed, said some, dropped some F-bombs, I think. (laughs) But, yeah, that really scared me. Actually, my palms get sweaty when I talk about it now. It's one of the few times I've really gotten scared doing an investigation. I think everybody else thought it was pretty amusing, though. They were all laughing pretty hard. I imagine so. I think what really scared me, there was like a hole there, too, in the bottom of the bed, so it's kind of like in the hole <laughs> on the butt. I don't know. really scared me, though. Another was up in the um, in the shower room. It was, again, Linda, me, Shelly, and Jared. We had been talking quite a while, and Shelly had seen a... Shelly and your mom had seen a shadow figure go across the wall... And I thought I had gotten it with the Ghost Pro, but then I realized that it was full. The memory was full. So I don't think I, hopefully I got it, but I don't think I did. But we were kind of talking about that. And then there was a scratching, a really loud scratching on the wooden bench between me and Linda. And of course, my first thought was the exorcist. Because it started with the scratching <laughs> on the wall. And I was like, oh, dang. But we all heard that. It was really loud. And that actually showed up on my recorder and Linda's. So we'll have that later. The other one I can think of actually wasn't me. It was your mom up in the West Attic. We were up there again, Linda, me, Shelly, and Jared. And Linda had stepped forward and she was asking questions and she felt something Put your elbow. Well, nobody was around. So, you know, your mom has that long, sexy, blonde hair. Oh my god, stop. So, you know, those prisoners probably just wanted to touch all over that. So, I could imagine that that's probably what happened with her. I imagine that's not. (laughs) But she was really excited about that. And you were not. (laughs) I know a lot of the other girls on the team had some experiences and... I'm sure we can get them to send us over some stories about things that happened with them. It's definitely a place that everybody should check out. Everyone that works there, everyone we worked that helped us, even on the historic tours, they're all they have so much information and you can tell they really love the place and take care of the place. For being like a old prison, it is probably the cleanest place I've ever seen. I kept commenting about that because We've been in some really nasty places. And that place was super well taken care of. I don't know. I thought that was nice because man, there's been some nasty places. Alright, well speaking of prisons, tonight we're going to be speaking about another prison in the Midwest. At one point, Times Magazine called this the bloodiest 47 acres in America. And it's known as Missouri State Prison in awesome. Jefferson City. Also, The Walls. It's another name for it. The Walls? The Walls. The giant walls that were around it. That makes sense. Alright, so let's take a quick break and talk about Missouri State Prison. 
A-Hall, Missouri State Penitentiary by Mark Schreiber, December 7th, 2000. The presence I feel as I walk through these halls, looking and touching these massive stone walls, walls that are smooth and cold to the touch, walls of lost history, of killings and such. In the dim light, Specter, I feel walking and stalking. Oh, yes, it is real. For this is a place where dead men are kept, a place where I, as their keeper, once crept. So look as you will as you pass through this space, for it is the tomb of our lost human race. Glance in a mirror as through life you race. So the specter I saw won't surprise you someplace, as the specter you see may be your own face. Alright, so like I said, tonight we're talking about the Missouri State Penitentiary. Construction began in the early 1830s. Initially, the prison consisted of one guard, a warden, and 15 inmates. The first inmates there, their job was making bricks for the prison. Once the prison officially opened, the first inmate at the Missouri State Penitentiary was named Wilson Eatson from Green County, which would be up by Springfield, or down by Springfield in comparison to Jefferson City. And he was convicted of grand larceny. In 1840, in order to cut costs at the prison and perhaps make money, they started a prison labor force. Originally, the convicts, they were used to build homes and mansions in Jefferson City. Toward the end, um, there was actually companies that were working inside the prison walls. They made everything from saddles, shoes, license plates, twine, and furniture. Which is kind of crazy to think that all these companies were functioning within there. I saw some pictures and it had... Like, actual youth were working alongside the prisoners. And then they decided that wasn't a good idea. But it wasn't because they were worried about the youth and the prisoners being side-by-side, like, danger. It was because unions were getting upset because the prisoners were getting all the contracts. And so they ended that. Kind of interesting. In 1842, they received their first female inmate. Her name was Amelia Eadie, and she was from St. Louis County. She was sentenced two years for grand larceny, but she never served. Um, she arrived, and within two days, she was pardoned and released because they didn't have adequate facilities to house women at the time. Kind of worked out in favor. Yeah, it was probably fortunate for her. Yeah. In... 1868, A-Hall was finished, which is probably one of the most famous housing units. It actually still stands today. That's where they give a lot of the uh, initial lectures for all the history tours as well as some of the ghost tours. It's the oldest standing building on, building on the grounds right now. And actually also housed inmates until the day the prison closed in 2004. And until the prison closed, it was the oldest functional penitentiary west of the Mississippi and was actually 100 years older than Alcatraz. 
One of the interesting things I read, it compared Alcatraz to Missouri State Penitentiary, was that Alcatraz had about 500 prisoners at its highest. That's approximately. And Missouri State held 5,200. So that kind of shows the difference in yeah. how many inmates were there. I'm sure one of the only reasons that Alcatraz is probably more famous than Missouri State Penitentiary is the with the inmates that were at Alcatraz. Yeah, there's quite a few famous or infamous, I guess I should say, inmates at Missouri State Penitentiary, though. On April 19, 1919, Kate Richards O'Hare was brought to Missouri State Penitentiary to serve five-year sentence for an anti-war speech. Things have certainly changed since then. Emma Goldman was incarcerated at, in the MSP from 1917 to 1919 for conspiracy to induce persons to register for the draft. She also was one of the very first advocates to encourage the use of birth control. Charles Arthur, also known as Pretty Boy Floyd, he was a notorious bank robber in, throughout the Midwest. And he went to Missouri State Penitentiary on December 18, 1925 for a bank robbery. But even though he was there for, supposed to be there for a total of five years, he actually only served three and was granted parole. James Earl Ray was admitted to the penitentiary on March 17, 1960. He was convicted of robbing a Kroger store in St. Louis County. They Kroger back then? They did, I guess. The internet said they did. <laughs> so it must be true. It must be true. <laughs> on April 23, 1967, he was working in uh, the prison bakery. And he had actually tried to escape a couple times before, but was unsuccessful. However, on this day, he reported to the bakery earlier than usual. Someone, I don't know who, it didn't, I couldn't find who it was, helped him climb into a giant box, which is what they would ship out lots of loaves of bread in. And he hid in there, and when the bakery truck came in, he was loaded up inside the box into the truck. It was actually just driven right out of the prison. And it was almost a year to the day. It was on April 4th, 1968, that he assassinated Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in Memphis, Tennessee. Which is crazy to think of that all of this started up in you know, Missouri. Right, yeah, he was from Missouri, actually. He's from a small town, I believe it was called Ewing, Missouri. I have to talk about two more infamous inmates because I'm like a huge true crime person. And I've heard this story a million times. Um, Bonnie Hetty and Carl Austin Hall, they kidnapped a boy. I believe his last name was Greenlease up in Kansas City. And they were holding him for ransom. And they told his family that they wanted $600,000 and then they would let them have him back. After the ransom was paid, they actually found his body. They had shot him and buried him. And they were both convicted and sent to Missouri State Penitentiary. They were both given the death sentence, and they were actually put to death in the gas chamber together. There was a total of 40 
inmates that were put to death in the gas chamber at Missouri State Penitentiary. It was actually kind of cool. We got to go in there and look around. Do you remember doing that? Yeah. Because we sit in the gas chamber in the and in the same chairs. <laughs> Creepy but cool. Somewhere I have pictures of us in those. I don't know. I need yeah. to find them. Yeah, we can put those up on the Facebook page. So when people talk about riots at Missouri State Penitentiary, there's one in particular that stands out, and that's the riot that occurred on September 22nd, 1954. That's considered the worst riot at the Missouri State Penitentiary. And it, it started with two inmates. They acted like they were sick, and then um, the guards checked on them. They overpowered them, took their weapons and keys, and then ran and unlocked doors and started letting out other inmates. So when the riot finally ended, it ended with four dead inmates and 50 more injured. In addition to the inmates, there was one suicide and four injured guards and damages totaling over $5 million. The inmates had actually set fire to the majority of the prison and the firefighters couldn't go in and do anything because there was approximately 3,200 inmates that were running around within the prison. And so they couldn't go in for fear that the inmates would get out. So they pretty much had to let it burn until the guards could go up on the roof and they took machine guns and started firing at them, which pretty much stopped that. <laughs> They all started taking cover, and that's how they regained control. That pretty much stopped anything. Yeah. They uh, continued. There was inmates that continued to riot. They barricaded themselves in the A-Hall, and um, since they were barricaded in there, they did hold a meeting with all the officers to decide what to do. They waited overnight, and then they went in the next morning with, I believe it was 18 troops went in. And they announced over a loudspeaker that they would, that all the inmates needed to just go into the closest cell and just be quiet and pretty much just surrender. There was one inmate that decided he wasn't going to do that. And he jumped out in front of them and started yelling and screaming and they shot him dead. And shortly after, all the other inmates went directly to cells and sat down and they were quiet. So they went in, strip searched all of them and then... One by one, took them back out to the main courtyard where they were booked and charged with crimes that happened during the riot. So when you talk about paranormal things at the prison, a lot of times it comes from like deaths that happened at the prison. Of course, you have the executions, but then I was trying to find other deaths. And it was actually kind of hard to find some, find them with the Missouri State Penitentiary. Things I did find was that in 1907... There was three inmates that attempted to escape. They failed, and so they were hung out in the prison yard as an example to the other inmates. That's one way to deter escaping. Right. In A Hall, which would be the oldest hall, the cell number 48, sorry, cell number 48, there was an inmate that was known to be a snitch. He was bludgeoned to death with a hammer that the other inmates used to break into his cell during a riot, which I wonder if he was one of the deaths from the 1954 riot. Does it, it doesn't say really where. It didn't say yeah. when. There was an inmate named John B. 
Firebug Johnson. He got his name because he was really good at setting fires. <laughs> and he actually started a fire that caused $500,000 in damage. That's a lot and it back then. killed 12 inmates. So that was quite a few inmate deaths right there. He actually spent the majority of his time in the dungeon because of the fires he set. Uh, actually, he wrote a book. When he got out, he like hooked up with somebody that worked at the prison. Not like that. Oh. Like to write a book, and it's called "Buried Alive: 18 Years in the Missouri Pen." I hear it's very hard to find, but. I'm going to try to find that because, you know, I like to read. At least one of us does. Right. Also in A-Hall's cell number 76, two, two inmates, they gouged out the eyes of another inmate and then stabbed him. It said that he crawled out onto the catwalk, fell over, and he bled to death. All of these deaths, violence, and just negative energy in general, of course, will lead to lots of paranormal activity and claims. Some of them include a spirit known as Fast Jack. Yes. One of the uh, tour guides has a very good claim about Fast Jack. It said that they passed through the control center to secure the outer doors after returning back from a tour. As she walked through that area, she turned around and saw that Every locker door was wide open, and just minutes before that, they'd all been shut. And of course, that's one of the behaviors that's attributed to Fast Jack. It's said that Fast Jack wears a lab coat, and he's carrying a clipboard. They think that maybe he worked in the radiology department, and he's seen in multiple housing units throughout the prison. I've heard that people have also seen a shadow figure, but also an apparition outside cell number 66, which is where the guy had his eyes gouged out and he was stabbed. There in, in C Hall, they have something called the running man. Basically, it's just footsteps, the sounds of somebody running throughout the building when no one is there. Down in death row, there is a shadow figure. They say it's a seven-foot shadow figure. Also, uh, of course, you have the normal claims of disembodied voices, shadow figures everywhere. All right, so before we started recording this, earlier in the week, we put out a kind of a shout-out to anyone out there that's done an investigation or just had an experience in general at the Missouri State Prison. And Wendy from Lips actually emailed us a story. And so we're going to take a quick moment here and hear what she has to say. Hi, my name is Wendy and I'm with Ladies Investigative Paranormal Society, otherwise known as Lips. Um, Missouri State Pen has been a great location um, for gathering EVPs or having personal experiences for my team. Um, two of my personal experiences I can tell you about were in 2014, and it was when we were in the A-Hall building, which is a very large building um, that held hundreds of inmates at what in one time, if you've never been there. And it was myself, Beth, and Alicia, and it was towards the end of our investigation, so it was in the wee early morning hours, and we went into the building and just sat quietly for a while. 
and I had seen a shadow dart into a cell on the first level, and it was it was so quick and so fast that I instantly got up and ran over to the cell um, with with my equipment, and I got my hair stood up on its end. I got goosebumps and chills all over. I was so excited to see this shadow figure and, and Beth and Alicia, they, they didn't see it because they were looking in other areas because this place is so huge and majestic when you're inside it, um, that they were looking in other areas. But that was my, my very first actual shadow, um, figure experience that I've had. And I was, I was pretty excited to see that, um, I really wish they had seen it because it would have validated what I saw, but um still happy to have that experience. Um, and one other thing that happened that same very night earlier, the three of us were in the women's hall and we had been walking around and just trying to get a feel of where we wanted to go into this location, um, working with our K2 meters and our equipment. And we ended up going into a cell on the lower level, about the fifth cell down from one of the ends. And we were in there talking about just any old thing. We weren't hadn't really started our typical paranormal questions as of yet. We were just talking. And in the midst of our talking, there was a pause. And all of a sudden, we heard this woman say something. And we couldn't make out what it was, but we knew... It was nobody else from our group because we had this building to ourselves. Everybody had separated and went to their own buildings. And um, we heard this voice, this woman say something, and we couldn't make out what it was, but it was it was loud. And me and Beth just, our eyes got super big, and we looked at each other. And I think I looked at her and said, you heard that, right? And she's like, yes. And, um, we, you know, instantly started asking questions, you know, hello, you know, just all of our typical questions. And, um, after a few minutes, we had Alicia play back the recording so we could re- hear it again for our own ears and hope that we had this captured. And, um, her recorder never picked it up because, for some reason, her recorder had stopped recording, and it was strange because she had full batteries prior to that. So um not sure what happened there, but it was a great, great personal experience for us to have um, at the Women's Hall. And um, one more story I could tell you about. Angela from my group had went a few years earlier than us um, with her friend, Sean, and they too were in the women's hall and they had been sitting on one of the um, ends um, a few levels up by some stairs and they had went during the winter time. So it was super cold in that location. It was like 38 degrees. I think she told us and it was just super cold and they were sitting there and just kind of listening and asking questions. And after so many minutes, they decided they were going to get up and leave because they hadn't heard a thing. And as they were walking away and leaving, um, they were saying things like, you know, well, thanks a lot. You know, thanks for nothing. 
you know, for not communicating basically with us. So thanks, thanks for nothing. And that was when Sean had heard a voice. Angela had heard something too. So she was like instantly saying, you know, do it again, do it again, you know, to repeat it. Um, but they had captured this voice that is basically, um, replying to Angela when she said, thanks for nothing. You hear this voice say really quickly, you hear it say, not for nothing. And I'll send you guys the clip so you can uh, take a listen for yourselves. But it was a great capture that they had a great personal experience. And we plan to go back to Missouri State Penn, um, I think, two times scheduled for this summer. So we're looking forward to it. And we will definitely be heading back to uh, the Women's Hall. Um, so there's our story. And um, thanks for listening. Thank you for sending us that story, Wendy. And now we're going to play you the clip that Wendy was talking about with our friend Angela and her friend Sean at the women's ward at Missouri State Penitentiary. Yeah. Uh, okay, thank you. For <clears throat> nothing. All right. We do have a couple personal experiences, actually with EVPs, that we've caught that we're going to play for you. The first one, we were down in the... Dungeon, wasn't it? No, it was the Death Row. Death Row. Excuse me. And I was being kind of cranky, because it was for the end of the night. Did you cut that part out? So people didn't have to hear me be cranky. Maybe, maybe not. I guess we'll see. Anyway, so uh, I actually heard footsteps walk up, and they were first loud, and then it was like shuffling right next to me. And I heard it, but Coy didn't. Coy really doesn't ever hear anything from being in the army. Do what? (laughs) Exactly. So we will play that for you now. Can you hear that? You don't have interest in it? <laughs> you don't have interest in it? I don't know what it was. It was hard to you. Footsteps. Footsteps. I just think it's really exciting whenever you actually hear something and then the recording can justify it. Especially because you can't, because you never hear anything. I heard you being mean to her. <laughs> I was just tired. It was like really early in the morning. It had been a long day. Nah, now it's safe. It was very hot too. It was like August. Now it's saved forever. It is. On the internet. And everybody that is listening knows now. But you survived. You're fine. Barely. <laughs> the next one that we have is in the women's prison. And as you heard with Wendy, you know. We have got a lot of really good EVPs out of the women's prison. Multiple people and, you know, different times. So if you ever go there, I definitely would spend a lot of time over there. In this one, we were using the spirit box. The SP7? Yep, the SP7. And uh, it was just Koi and I in the whole building. Everybody had fanned out. I think there was just a very few of us there that night. We had rented the place out for the private investigation 
And we kind of have this joke because when I'm talking to Koi, he never ever hears me. But when I'm not saying anything, he's always like, what'd you say? And I'm always aggravated because I'm like, I didn't say anything. So this kind of happens there. You'll hear it. He thinks I said something and I'm we'll see, not I, cranky. And I'm like, something. he actually did hear something. It was not me, however. But you'll hear that and then you'll also hear a man's response who is not coy. So we'll just let you listen to it. Do you need anything? What did you say? Huh? What did you say? I said. Listening to this recording, to me it sounds like the female voice says in the dungeon, right before you say, what did you say? Which kind of makes sense to me because, you know, there is a dungeon at the prison. And then whenever you're asking me what I said, I said I didn't say anything. And then that male voice says, we are speaking. So to me, it kind of all plays together. What do you think? Yeah, that was really good. That was uh, one of my favorite things that we did capture there. Just I like that you... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Just because... Not only did we get responses on the spirit box, but we also got EVPs that at that point I did hear something. I just didn't know what it was. I like that you actually heard something. Me too. See, I always hear something. (laughs) Not you. Right. I've investigated Missouri State Penitentiary, I think, two times? Yeah. Three times? Two times? And the thing that sticks out the most in my head is it was this time that we had did it and it was toward the end of the night and we were setting in a hall they have like a bunch of pews there it's where people set for uh when they have the history tours and stuff i think it was koi and i sitting there mm-hmm. and where you walk down the steps to go into the dungeon there was a soda machine setting just to the left And I was sitting there, you know, just kind of taking it all in, coming to the end of the night, you know. And I actually saw two legs, like, walk into a cell. Craziest thing I've ever seen. And, you know, I I can't explain why it wasn't a whole body, but it was just probably from about six inches above the knees down. And they just walked from about the staircase, going down into the dungeon, into the cell right there. So, of course, I jumped up and ran down there. I think Angela had just walked in somewhere, or maybe she was in another room. I don't know. She came from somewhere. I'm not sure where. I was so excited. But I was telling her, and she ran down there, and we were looking around. And that was really exciting. I've never seen anything like that before or since. It's a good experience. Have you had any experiences, or did you have any there that stuck out in your head? I have one that stuck... Stucks. That one that sticks out of my head, it, uh, where were we at at that time? In the Sea Hall? Sea Hall. Yeah, it was in the Sea Hall in the lowest level, and I just started using the Handycam at that night. The night vision? With the night vision, yeah. And I actually was had my recorder going at that time, so I do have some audio 
from that that I'll share with you guys. That's funny. Yeah, that's my favorite moment from the end. <laughs> but it was. <laughs> I don't know why I sound like a superhero when I'm turning around though. <laughs> Is that just on here? No, I okay. think. No, I think you were because you were disoriented because it was dark, and I just kept having you turn around and <laughs> turn around. I was spinning. Now we know why they. Uh, everybody wears black when they're uh, ghost hunting. Right. Yeah. Not white. I think that happened before with my panties. Remember, once I said "boo" in the butt. Yes, where I don't. <laughs> I think we're at Missouri State then too. No, I don't think so. I don't know. That was pretty funny too. I was embarrassed then. She just took them off. What? <laughs> All right. So, do you have anything else about Missouri State Pen? No, I don't think so. It's probably it. I think I've said multiple times it's one of my absolute favorite locations. I think even even if you can't rent it out for a private tour, you should definitely go and take you know the stork tour or one of their ghost tours. Yeah, you can find all the information for those tours on their website. Their website is MissouriPinTours.com. All right. Do you have anything else to add? I don't think so. All right. Well, I think that does it then. If you have the time, please rate and review us on iTunes. And thank you to everyone that has. We really appreciate it. It makes it easier for everyone to find episodes of the show. I think we've got like quite a few five-star reviews now, so that's nice. Even if you don't like it, go in and rate us, and, but give us five stars. <laughs> also, you can find us on Instagram at Until Dawn Podcast, Twitter at Until Dawn Podcast. We're also on Facebook now. Yep. And you can always email us at Until Dawn Podcast at gmail.com. If you have any paranormal stories you want to share... Or if you have anything you want us to do a show on. Or questions. Or just want to email us. I can always make up an answer. Right. You just do that. <laughs> and we also have a phone number now. So you can call us or you can send us a message. You can text, right? Yeah, you can text us. If you call and leave a voicemail, we'll play it on the episode. So I guess we should give them the phone number. It's, it's uh, 913 913- Seven zero three three two nine six or nine one three seven zero three dawn. It took me a long time to find the dawn phone number. So I don't think they have that on phones anymore. What the letters? They don't. No, I think it's just the numbers now. I think you did all that for nothing. Yeah, probably. Wait, I'm checking. Nope, it's still there. See, wasn't for nothing. Alright, well, I think that does it for this episode. So until next time, I'm Koi. I'm Felicia. And this is Until Dawn. <laughs>